everybody welcome to generation loss the show where we watch movies my name is Bryn, and that's jeremy (laughs) (laughs) it sounds like even less like i know that it's already like not a premise for a show (laughs) but the more and more we say it and like the less enthusiastic we sound about like it's the show where we watch movies (laughs) it just sounds more and more ridiculous that that's the show I feel we like, watch movies. I feel like there is a premise to the show, but we haven't like we're we're both pretty bad at like marketing ourselves. Yeah, we could like invent really a cool. It. We could like invent a cool sounding thing, but we don't care. <laughs> yeah, it's what if movies were bad? What if movies were good, but only sometimes? <laughs> <laughs> See, we can't really do that. <laughs> that doesn't work. No, it doesn't really work. But I think it's a fun show, and I enjoy what uh, I enjoy doing the show. So I hope you're enjoying listening to the show. <laughs> I'm always genuinely surprised how many people listen to this show. I know <laughs> for for again having no premise at all. It's, it's shocking how well we've done <laughs> being the show where we watch movies. I mean, that's just enough for some people. <laughs> it's just enough, I guess. Yeah, I don't know if people watch the movies too. Definitely some people do, like in our new Discord, which I am not just plugging. Uh, <laughs> but we yeah, have you a can't Discord. get in anyway unless you're a patron. That's right. Or you also- Them's the rules. <laughs> <laughs> Don't even try. Don't even try to crack me. <laughs> yeah, th- we are, as you've heard, if you've listened to the show, we are hackers. And uh, you will not uh, acid burn us. You but, will uh, not. You'll not get through me. I'd rather die than let you into the Discord without paying. (laughs) (laughs) You could torture me for days and I wouldn't give you anything. I would never give you an invite. Ever. (laughs) Don't DM me. My DMs aren't open. (laughs) (laughs) They are full. They were open, but they filled up like an answering machine in 1997. That's how it works. There's a limited (laughs) amount of tape on which to hold DMs. (laughs) Where people ask you, what's the name of that IRA book you're always talking about? And then you, it's full, so I don't, ha- I let it get full, so I don't have to answer. Remember that move? <laughs> when, yeah. when, when you had like a voicemail, like people would actually leave voicemails on your phone, and then you'd be like, that's full up, <laughs> instead yeah, of just sorry. disabling it. <laughs> I still, like, I mean, I, the phone still has voicemail on it, and I'm pretty sure that mine is full. I never <laughs> get voicemails anymore, so I have to assume that's why. So you do the move. I guess I do the move. <laughs> you you do the move I just described. Uh, I don't even. I don't think I've ever gotten a voicemail. If I do, I just delete it immediately. You do. You've gotten a voicemail. What are you talking about? I mean, you've never the, gotten a voicemail on this phone. <laughs> oh, fair enough. I got. I mean, like, yeah, in my life when I had a fucking answering machine. <laughs> <laughs> I was right on the cusp of I was in college and like the first two years I was in college, I had like a literal tape answering machine. Really? Yeah. 
I had a I had uh, a landline phone in my dorm room. <laughs> what? Because I didn't have a cell phone. What? So my friends would call me and be like, "Brian, answer the phone." <laughs> All right, you, me- had a, you had a landline in your dorm room. Yeah. I mean, I guess they were set up for that. Of course they were. <laughs> Dude, that's crazy to think about how many lines they probably had to run into dorm buildings. Well, I think you like had to call like it was like um some sort of switch. You would like call a, a number and then like enter the the room number. Oh, interesting. You know? Interesting. So you wouldn't have your own whole Lion. Anyway, this is this is probably not interesting to yeah, people yeah, at home. But out. listen, <laughs> we're just nerds who like telecommunications. Uh, we're just talking time. about we're talking about running lines. <laughs> yeah, like we said, we're freaks. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of a lot of telephone line or not telephone line telegraph line action in the movie we're talking about That's today. That's true. There was, but we'll telegraph- get to that in a little bit, dear listener. <laughs> telephone people dear listener (laughs) um yeah well you guys know what the format is before we do that Bryn what did you watch this week what did I watch so uh, (laughs) I watched a lot of stuff this week uh the two things I wanted to talk about uh were the first one was um this documentary called The Lobby okay did you hear about this you guys hear about this? You heard about this? You guys heard about this? You seen this? New new rule. <laughs> we listen uh, to the lobby. No, what is it? What is the lobby? Uh, the lobby is a is a documentary made by uh, Al Jazeera, which is a okay. a, a, a journalism outlet from Qatar, um, and they uh, they did these two things. They were all about the Israeli lobby in the UK and in the US. Okay. Um, and the one in the UK that they put out, it's like a four part, 20 minute doc. It's like, a mm-hmm. excuse me, it's like 60 minutes or whatever. But then they did an even longer one called the lobby us, which was not released. <laughs> um, yeah. was, they were pressured into not push, putting it on their YouTube channel. Really? Or, yeah. So Whoa. it's like three hours long. Um, but the premise of the documentary is that they hired or a, a journalist um, pretends to be a uh, an English student. He goes undercover as an English like grad school student okay. who just sort of like wrote a bunch of blog posts. He like writes a bunch of fake blog posts and puts them up over a period of time, and then tries right. to infiltrate the sort of like APAC world the web of of israeli influence on on uh american politics and it's crazy <laughs> uh-huh. um because i knew i mean everyone knows that lobbyists are bad you know that like lobbying is like a really weird like obviously sure well it's thing. like it's weird because lobbying is like lobbying is just a verb right right and so like what you're doing like when love. you which is also hmm? a verb, just like love, which is also a verb, <laughs> right? But it's like, um, like when you go with a like a Black Lives Matter group to go talk to a congressman about like a you know like abolishing the police in your state. What you're doing is lobbying, right? And like so, like the idea of like lobbyists, it's weird. They, I feel like part of the like nefarity of these like high power corporate lobbyists and like national interest lobbyists 
like part of what they're doing is trying to make the whole word you know bad right. so that you're supposed to mean it's it's they're trying to make lobbying i mean they have successfully turned the term from requesting and and talking to your you know political leaders to giving people bribes <laughs> right um but this specific one he you know so he goes and he sort of gets involved with these like nonprofits and uh these sort of like center for racial just or center for equality type organizations but they mm-hmm. all what he finds out is basically there's tons of them there's like 20 to 30 of them just in his area in dc and they're all the same people and they're all basically astroturf funded by israel funded by the same people and they all have like the same boss <laughs> uh-huh. and they're all t- and they all are directly reporting to apac and uh he ends up like getting to talk to the a the the one of the directors of apac which is if you don't know is the american israel um political action committee right um which is a israeli lobbying group um and they're it's basically it's funny because the movie is just proving without beyond the shadow of the doubt that israel is doing everything that russiagate libs think russia is doing (laughs) Mm -hmm. like literally just they have the ear of everyone and they're performing all kinds of bribes to create a situation where they've they like outwardly say in this documentary like uh you know we're trying to make it so that anti-semitism and anti-israel uh politics are the same Right. And that's our big project and we're trying to make sure everyone and we're trying to get school students punished for 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 being anti-Israel and like make it seem like it's actually, you know, a Nazi stance or whatever. Right. Um it's really crazy. Um and there's it's <laughs> it's like you really see why they were pressured to not release it cuz it's pretty intense and dirt. <laughs> one thing that's really interesting about the i mean the movie is like i said it's three hours long there's like commercial breaks it's definitely for Mm -hmm. television and youtube it's a glorified youtube video but it's very well researched and very well um documented and one of the craziest things is how i think they like knew that they were going to get the kind of pushback and denial um that they got right um because there's some weird uh, cinema stuff that I had never seen in a, in a documentary before. Uh, one mm-hmm. one specifically was um, there. There's an undercover camera of a bunch of people um, at a at just an outdoor gathering, and it's just like sort of because it's undercover. He's like got a button camera you can sort of just see a bunch of people and then there's the audio um and so it seemed like they thought well maybe this might not be enough proof that these that we didn't stage this and so during that they cut to a picture that the organization that they were at tweeted of the same shot (laughs) you know what i mean i'm just they're like having a little cookout gathering with just some random people or whatever and then right and then like match cut it so that they were like no we were really there this really happened this is really that group and there's a bunch of little stuff you you could um like make a case for it being like a project veritas sort of thing where it's like 
it's like, did this really happen as they presented it to happen? And the thing is that like Al Jazeera in particular, like holds a very specific, unfortunate place in like American lib culture Mm -hmm. and, and, and political culture in general, like because of their, you know, their role as the de facto, uh, like voice box for Al Qaeda during, uh, during the military operations in Afghanistan, mm-hmm. like they kind of like for no part, like they didn't do anything wrong. They just <laughs> received the tapes, yeah. you know, <laughs> like, but it became this thing where like every week on the news, it would be like Al Jazeera has another tape from bin Laden. And I feel like they just became this like, People entity like- in American politics where they're just like, they're the evil ones. They're the ones with bin Laden. <laughs> Yeah, they're the terrorist organization, right? No, no, no. It's the no. the, new, the state journalists of Qatar, and people are like, right, terrorists. Yeah, no, they're uh, actually possibly the best journalistic outfit in in the world. <laughs> yeah, one of the most like, it seems like very well funded, um, most able to criticize nations. Like, yeah, and they're I mean, fantastic. Like yeah, when you good. have access to cable, you should be watching Al Jazeera English. Like they have the best news reporting of like mainstream, you know, like watchable on TV news. Like they're the best journalists out there by far. Yeah. And I mean, obviously, you know, any state media, we have our state media. Uh, you know, we have all of almost all of our media, is state media. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. But, you know, any state media is going to have some level of ideology and that's fine uh but al jazeera is usually is able to pretty much skewer or or criticize pretty much whoever they want um yeah because qatar isn't really like a huge player in i mean well we don't need to get into that but like (laughs) the (laughs) the political reasons for their ability to be good journalists doesn't really matter they usually do a pretty good job and so this uh, this series i thought was it came out like a year ago or two years Mm -hmm. ago and uh true and on just did an episode about it and so i was uh that's how i found out about it and i was like well i gotta watch this sounds awesome Um, yeah i gotta look into this because i i really want to like is there a good movie about israel Ooh, i don't know because i'd love to do like a a, fictional movie yeah, like, um, isn't there a movie about, like, there's gotta be, because, like, it's so, like, <laughs> like, Zionists have such, like, a poetic vision of, like, the way that, like, the early establishment of Israel was, like, you have to imagine, because I, I really want to do an episode where we talk about Zionism, because I, I did read a, a really interesting book about, oh. like, the history of, of establishing Israel and, like, kind of the early days of, of, you know, um, what do they call them? The uh, the kibbutz, the uh, the oh, little yeah. socialist uh, colonies and whatever, mm-hmm. and just kind of like the the stories of the people on those before like the establishment of the nation and whatever. And just even this guy who's telling the story from like a fairly left perspective has this like really romantic like way. Like every I stopped reading it <laughs> a couple of times because it just gets really repetitive where like every single thing is like they dug these canals is the story. Right. But then every scene ends with like, and they ate raisins and danced under the moonlight. And you're like, Jesus Christ, man. Calm down. (laughs) Every time they eat raisins and dance under the moonlight. (laughs) I bet there is. I mean, it's especially from a sort of, you know, nationalist perspective. Um, I'm sure there is a, uh, a, a uh, Israeli, beginnings story I, we, we should find it 
Yeah, um, I want to see um, I want to see Adam Sandler make a movie in <laughs> Israel. I feel like that's kind of like the that's the logical dead end of his career <laughs> is he makes a movie where he's like um, <laughs> where he like becomes the mayor of a settlement or something. <laughs> I feel like it'll just be like an Arrested Development thing where he like finally goes on birthright, <laughs> but he's like. <laughs> A fifty-year-old man who's like trying oh, to have that's sex with such a good teenagers. Idea, yeah. <laughs> well, but he has to pretend. He has to pretend that he's younger. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's Adam Sandler is like dressed as like a millennial, like twenty-something. He's like being realistic about it, so he's like trying to pass for being in his twenties. Right. Um, he's like, oh, I just I, I went to Europe instead on accident, and then I uh, <laughs> now I'm here. He finally going on birthright. <laughs> And then, yeah, somehow he ends up at a settlement and he becomes the mayor of it. <laughs> yeah, he just starts, like, uh, doing a weird scam where he starts making money off of all of the IDF people and, like, getting them hooked on weed. <laughs> yeah, that's a good movie. That's Actually, good this idea. sounds like a little bit too highbrow for him. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was thinking is, like, it's got to be something stupider than that. Um like he's well obviously he's an ad exec in real life because he always is in his movies Mm. um yeah i don't know what that's about it just he needs a he needs an excuse to be rich oh because the whole point of his movies is to you know to get free stuff and whatever and so like (laughs) if you have like a plot relevant reason why your character has like a nice car then like you can get that sponsorship deal for like the nice car company yeah you get to have a nice car you get to go to hawaii yeah, exactly. Who doesn't like to go um, to Hawaii? So it's just always it's always just like he writes it in somehow that he's like super rich for some reason. Yeah. All ad execs are so rich. <laughs> Probably. I mean like execs? Yeah, sure. Oh, I guess that's true. Yeah, execs. If you're at an ad agency that's like big enough to have like someone who's an exec. Yeah, sure. <laughs> to be a, to be the Don Draper. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I wish I could do a better Adam Sandler voice cuz it would be fun to do like a <laughs> what do you need? <laughs> What do you need? Yeah, I don't know how to. <laughs> what do does his voice sound like? You did that. <laughs> no, that's uh, <laughs> Tim, Tim Allen. Allen. No. He's toasty. He's toasty. Like I'm just doing like a racist voice. Yeah, I don't know how to do Adam Sandler. Yeah, I can't do it. Anyway, the Lobby USA, very crazy documentary. Um. They're, yeah, I gotta check it out. Well, it, what, what's so frustrating about the movie is how, like, all of these people, it's like, are young, like they're twenty-five to thirty, to mm-hmm. you know, for and and they're all just like, yeah, well, they're just so bald faced about it, uh, you know, at the parties that this guy throws because he doesn't really do anything. He just like throws some parties and like nods along and like yeah. they ask him to go undercover for APAC to like spy on a BDS movement and uh-huh. like <laughs> it's so weird. <laughs> um and then I I'm not sure if he actually does it, but the, yeah, he does. Um, but it's uh, it's crazy. So he becomes like a double agent, and then he's like spying on this VDS movement. But all these people mm-hmm. are just so blatant about like, well, yeah, it's not actually anti-Semitism, but we want to keep Israeli <laughs> power. You know, like they right. just like totally give the game away. Like I would expect these people to be true believers, and they just aren't. Like no one is. Like they're all just these absolute craven slimy shitheads well, who are so, like this is my career and i get to work for apac like i'm gonna make a shit ton of money and i yeah. live in dc it, they the worst well people. so part of it is like <laughs> the the idea of like preserving israel like it it 
like the idea of the anti-Semitism thing is like kind of secondary to preserving Israel because like it's it's tied up so much in like the idea of safety. It's like looking mm-hmm. like if you look back at this like history like in this like this is all from this book I read basically. But like essentially like so much of like the psychology of Zionism is like centered around this idea of safety because of like the pogroms that were happening in Europe and like yeah. you know Jews being driven out of like country after country after country and like so to them like Israel like. It, it is like when when people are anti-israel they like perceive it as like your anti like my life like it's not even about like like a racial hatred as much as it is about like literally you're killing me right now <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah and, I th- uh, and it's it's twisted and psychotic but it's like right. i could see how somebody could justify to themselves like using psychological uh trickery like that to be like i don't know yeah, no, I, I, I believe this is what I'm saying is I think that I would have assumed that the people pulling these levers and doing all of this work for the like hegemony of Israel and like its mm-hmm. partnership with the U.S., you know, being basically being like a U.S. puppet state, <laughs> like would be true believers and would at least like be sort of doing a sort of like, uh you know, well, we want Israel to be strong and powerful and stay because it's necessary for our survival as a religious sect, as an ethnic, you know, like an ethno-religious mm-hmm. sect. That's very important to me as a Jewish person. So I'm doing everything I can to do to, to sort of have that. But like all of these people are just slimy careerists. Like <laughs> almost none of them like really believe the shit they're, they're selling. And it's so weird. Um, weird. Yeah, you should check it out. It's it's a weird movie. Yeah. Um, I guess, do, I don't know, do we not have enough time to do another one? So I can just do that next week, I guess. What did yeah. you watch this week, Jeremy? Um, so I watched uh, The Invisible Man. Oh, yeah. Um, which I texted you about. Mm-hmm. Um, you didn't end up watching it, though, right? I have not watched it yet. So The Invisible Man, for those uh, not in the know, uh, is a movie that came out this year. It's a like fucking new ass movie. Uh, <laughs> so new. <laughs> it's fucking new as hell, and it yeah. stars Elizabeth Moss, who you may know as um, uh, the, the Peggy from uh, uh, from the Don Draper show. Yeah, and um, <laughs> right, that's her name on that. Yep, Peggy. What's the show called? Mad Mad Men. <laughs> um, and then she's also on Handmaid's Tale. Anyway, she's all damn over the place now. Mm-hmm. She's and, also um, Shirley Jackson in the new movie Shirley. What? Yeah, the woman who wrote like Yellow Wallpaper. Oh, she like plays anyway, her in a biopic. So uh, the Invisible Man is a is the newest installment in the uh, Universal Monster Cinematic Universe. <laughs> We've talked about this before, so I think on a bonus episode about mm-hmm. how this was. Now they're gonna try and make Dracula. Yeah, well, so they're gonna. Um, I can see where they're going now, and I can see what Dracula's going to be, and I'm even less enthused about it. (laughs) (laughs) So I I watched The Invisible Man, and I think it was actually good fun, and I think it's worth watching, and just right off the bat, before I talk all the shit I'm going to talk about it, I do recommend it, and I do think it's good and worth watching. That that was the impression I got. (laughs) That all being said, it is um, not subtle at all. <laughs> it severely, severely lacks in subtlety. Mm. So the story of it is that um is that she plays a um she's a woman who uh is like either dating or married to this like 
mega billionaire tech guy who invented an invisibility suit, but we don't know that yet. Mm-hmm. All we know is that he works in quote unquote optics. And uh, <laughs> if you, you know, if you saw any of the trailer at all, if you, uh, you know, if you uh, saw the title of the movie mm-hmm. when they said like he's a billionaire optics guy, you're like, oh, he's the invisible man, of course. Right. So <laughs> uh, he's also like wildly abusive. And uh, you don't know this yet, but basically like, you get the idea because she drugs him and she like escapes from their house. And, um, the story is of her kind of like uh, trying to distance herself from this abusive partner and um, the the way that they utilize the Invisible Man is as this kind of like metaphor for the um, uh, for like the paranoia that you feel when you're like just kind of like trying to avoid a danger that's out there in in the form of this abuser in particular and the way that like abusive partners kind of become this sort of almost like godlike entity in, in right. your brain where you're like, you they, like they take on this sort of like superhuman power to just like ruin your life, no matter like what it is that's happening. <laughs> um, and so in that way, it's very effective. It's very good at doing that. But I think that it's like not subtle about that message at all. And it isn't as like clever as it thinks it is, I guess. Mm. So um, did, but did you find it scary? Yes, it's very like it's Ooh. it's tense more than it's scary. It's right. it's it's a good like thill movie. It's mm-hmm. I th- I said to you that if I had seen it in a theater, I would have like really enjoyed it. But I think watching it at home kind of ruined it a little bit because you know you're at home, you can like riff, you can just, like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah, you, you can just... break the tension by like making a joke or whatever, make and... a bunch of Hollow Man jokes. Yeah, and if you like pause it to go pee, and then you like come back and you're like wait. I've poked a hole in this story a little bit while I was peeing. <laughs> Why doesn't she do this or whatever? Yeah, exactly. And like, or like, how does this make sense? What happens and whatever, <laughs> but it's very cool. And, uh, they, they have a lot of fun with the invisible man and like the way that he can do invisible man shit. Uh, they're like for the first half they're very sparse with like even letting you know that there is an invisible man really like you know there's gonna be because it's called the invisible man (laughs) and you saw the trailer and like it would be a weird movie if it never was a guy (laughs) but it's like uh it's sort of the movie is trying to let you in on the game that she's like maybe everyone thinks she's crazy exactly well they always do for like most of the movie they think she's crazy right but for the first half, like, they're really... This is where it's, like, most effective as, like, metaphors. Because you don't see the guy. And you don't know what's happening. And all you really get is that, like, she hears a creak at night. And she's like, huh, he's here. And everyone's mm-hmm. like, he's not here. But we understand you've been through so much. Mm-hmm. You know? <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. Uh, you know, he's But then not about, here. like, halfway through, like, it's revealed that, like, there is really somebody or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, because and, and this is I think where it starts to lose it a little bit because like the more you show the Invisible Man stuff the the sillier it is I guess like mm. you can only show her getting like picked up and thrown by the Invisible Man so many times <laughs> before you're like this looks funny <laughs> <laughs> that's true I never would have thought of that but you're right I mean like if he's gonna kill her why wouldn't he just kill her like what is his end game well, he's terrorizing her, right? It's the abuse angle. It's like he wants to, like he he wants to like foster this godlike, you know, 
uh, stature in in her life. Mm-hmm. And the thing that's the thing that I found kind of upsetting about it a little bit is that like it didn't seem like it, it's definitely critical of that of 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 that like mentality. But I think that if you were an abuser and you were watching this, you'd be like sick. <laughs> You'd get a lot you know of ideas I mean? from the Invisible Man. <laughs> you'd get ideas from it, but more so than that, you'd be like, you'd be inspired. You'd be like, yeah, he is God in her life. Mm-hmm. And then at the end, she like kills him, but she is only able to kill him because she has the Invisible Man suit. And oh. so to you at home, you know, you you being the abuser in this scenario, you're watching it. You're like, well, my partner does not have the Invisible Man costume. <laughs> Lucky me. Lucky, I will never be stopped. <laughs> like and it it really like plays up how like how important he is to her and how like much he weighs in on her life and like Mm -hmm. again you as like a reasonable person at home you're watching and you're like holy shit like he's just ruining her life and it sucks but if you got off on that you'd be like look at how much he's ruining her life it's fools (laughs) yeah fuck that bitch i hate that lady yeah 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 so what's like the ending metaphor i guess like is like if she takes the if she takes the suit then what is it like trying to say like you need to take you need to take you the need abuser's to, like, take power control away. or whatever hmm. i don't know it kind of gets mixed up at the end and i think that the ending kind of is the weakest point because it's like why was there a why was there a second suit? Like, how did this work? <laughs> <laughs> what was he gonna do? Is he gonna sell it to the military? Or yeah, well, I think initially, yeah, it's like military tech or whatever. The suit, very cool though. Yeah. Gotta say, the suit is the coolest part because it's like <laughs> it's not some like dumb bullshit like a Harry Potter invisibility cloak. There's nothing that's like left to magic and whatever. Like, it looks like it what you'd imagine like something that makes people invisible would look like. It's like a fucking wetsuit that's like covered in little like lenses. Yeah. And yeah. it like when you she like activates it, you see like the lenses are like all focusing at once and shit. And it's like really cool. <laughs> that's nice. Uh so but it is fun. It just doesn't always work. I guess. I think it's very fun. And I think, again, if I'd seen it in a theater, I would have really enjoyed it. I think just giving it too much air to breathe is a problem. Do you think it, it would be fun for somebody who's, like, been through, like, would it be kind of traumatic or is it, like, not that good? <laughs> Do you know um, what I mean? Like, if, if I mean, I wouldn't be able to really answer that, I guess, uh, in any meaningful way. But I think sure. it's, like... I think that part of the problem and part of what fosters this idea that I was saying before about like abusers kind of getting off on it is that like you don't spend much time with the abuser character. Right. Like he's in it for like a second at the beginning, then he's the invisible man for the whole movie, and then right at the end he's a regular guy again. Mm-hmm. And so you really only get a few minutes of him. There's no like flashbacks of him. You don't really see him very much. And so part of the problem is that you don't see for like you don't see enough of him for an abuser to look at this and be like look at how craven he is look at how fucked up his life is like he's not getting anything out of being horrible like if anything it's like damaging him even more maybe i should rethink this mentality i have you know like 
there's none of that. And then you, as as being on the other end of it, you don't get that sort of like, you know, mountain goats up the wolves sort of like catharsis at the end when he dies <laughs> because you don't know enough about him for it to be like, fuck yeah, like she got him, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like you get the fuck yeah, she got him in the same way that you do in like Die Hard or whatever. Like when the, <laughs> when the bad guy dies, you're like, that's the antagonist and you got him. You got him. <laughs> you win. <laughs> Yeah, I've never read th- that John Darnell book, um, so, but but I now kind of makes me want to. Um, but uh, yeah, so they they do. But I one thing I think is interesting is that they were able to look at a property they had and be like, well, mm-hmm. what's scary about an invisible man, and right. land on something that would actually be tense and scary. Mm-hmm. Um, and they did something new with it, and and they like used it in a way that's not just like you can't see him. Isn't that scary? You know, it's like yeah. it's 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 definitely smarter than the average. You know, one of these types of properties. Uh, but I don't think that it's as smart as like something like like something like Get Out, for example, would be kind of like another mm-hmm. major horror slash like thriller movie that has like a you know, social or political message to it. Like it's not operating on that level at all. Right. It's just sort of an, a metaphor that works as a horror movie for a little while. Yeah. It's, I think that if you look at it in the same way that you'd look at like Dawn of the Dead, you'd kind of be like, all right, cool. It's like kind of a metaphor for this thing, but mostly it's a horror movie. Right. I think if they kind of let it be that and like took the foot off the gas a little bit in terms of like trying to drive home this idea that like this is about abuse, I think that it would have been more effective. Mm. And then why do you, do you say that like uh, you see what they're trying to do with Dracula? Oh, because I can totally see how it's going to be like feminist male response to like the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Okay. Where now what it's going to be is it's going to be like cool action thrillers that have sort of a like feminist angle to them. But the fellas can like it, too, because it's got like (laughs) guns and action and stuff. And so Dracula is going to be about probably also going to be about abuse, honestly. Yeah. (laughs) It's Dracula is going to be like an abusive partner who... uh, like and, and and the metaphor instead of being about how they're like around every corner and able to exert control over your life this is going to be about how they like drain you of your essence and like take <laughs> everything from you as they go oh no <laughs> and then frankenstein when they make frankenstein is going to be about how like in an abuse scenario you kind of like create a monster in a way it's a monster of your own design (laughs) that's made up of the worst parts of everyone who's ever hurt you you know it has the the head of your father and the arms of the bully from school and the brain of that doctor who didn't believe you when you said you had the flu yeah and then the wolfman will just be a cop (laughs) (laughs) the wolfman is just the wolfman they don't do anything new with the wolfman. He's just somebody's husband. Yeah. <laughs> like every once in a while he gets a little drink in him and he goes crazy and turns into a fucking wolf. Oh yeah, wolf. you're right. Yeah, okay. So that's that one. <laughs> who else is in the who else is in the 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 universe? Uh the creature from the Black Lagoon? Okay, I guess? so the Black Lagoon is <laughs> <laughs> So what do we what is a lagoon? It's like a bay, right? I think it's just a I don't really know. Yeah, what I, makes not, it a lagoon? I'm not in the... Don't look this up. 
<laughs> I'm looking no, at it. You no, can't stop me. No topography discussion. But I think... What that- is a lagoon? <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking it up. <laughs> uh, you know, I think it's... Um, shallow body of water separated okay. from a larger body of water by barrier <laughs> islands or reefs. Okay. Mm. This helps in no way. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think like with the, with the Dracula, like wasn't the original Dracula supposed to play on fears of just like foreigners? Yeah, I think so. It's I like, kind I of a reactionary not, book. I'm not like super up to speed on the on the Dracula thing, really. Mm. But it'd um, be funny if they just did that. If they're just like be racist. <laughs> 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 yeah, Dracula is like Russian. Yeah. Oh, it's a Russian gate movie. <laughs> yeah, and he spreads disinformation via his fangs. Yeah. <laughs> Don't let him bite you with the fake news. <laughs> <laughs> the bots. He's got he turns into a bot. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man! Yeah, he just turns into the he turns into the bat, but like instead of like doing like a squee squee noise, he does like a he just flies around just like Hillary Clinton is a cunt. <laughs> tweet 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 tweet. <laughs> oh yeah, that's what it's gonna be. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, we've cracked that one. Let's get into the general. All right. This week we watched Buster Keaton's uh, classic, probably one of the last movies he w- was able to make that was sort of really well, or well, apparently wasn't that well received, but whatever. Yeah, it was the last one he was able to make that was fully under his creative control. They never let him like really, they never let him like do his thing ever again. Right. So this one is called The General and it came out in... 1925, right? 1926. Um, Yeah, and it's written and directed by him, obviously. Uh, If you know anything about Buster... Who's Buster Keaton? Just to set this up for the very young people who may have not heard of the guy. Yeah, if you hadn't been born in the 1920s like us. (laughs) Yeah, we are 100 years old. (laughs) Back when Buster Keaton was a household name. Yeah. (laughs) Back in my teen years, I'm 120. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, no, Buster Keaton is a silent film star, and uh, he was like the, he's one of the earliest um, auteurs, really, of uh, of film. You know, he had especially of American film, yeah, especially of American film. Um, he is is like a like a, a comedy filmmaker um, who kind of just like paved the road for for a lot of just filmmaking techniques that that kind of uh right uh, persist even to this day well, he was incredibly um, inventive in what he wanted to do with like special effects and mm-hmm. stunts he's he's inspired everyone from charlie chaplin to jackie chan uh to jackass to jackass really i mean like jackass has done if you've ever seen anybody in a cartoon or in real life, stand in front of a barn that falls down and they go through the window. That's yeah. a Buster Keaton reference. And like yeah. he's even like stuff like the Looney Tunes is like so inspired by Buster Keaton. Yeah, a hundred percent. He is so incredibly deeply influential um, because he was basically a guy who was doing comedies, um, but very very cleverly 
sort of almost like a ma- magician, like setting up shots uh, that are visually funny. He's also just shockingly funny. This one thing about this movie was that it's it's so it's so weirdly funny. His timing mm-hmm. is like still so good. Um, yeah, that's the thing is it's like you when you hear like black and white silent film. I think we talked about this on the episode that we had uh, Alex and Shannon on that like black and white old like old shit like this you expect to be really boring and whack and one of the defining things about Buster Keaton for me is just like how fucking watchable it always is right and it's it still works to this fucking day right it's all really snappy and he wastes no time anyway so Buster Keaton is that's who he is and this movie let's do a very quick summary it's not very long this is a a tight 65 (laughs) Uh, (laughs) is that what it is yeah it's like an hour long Um, dude hell yeah before they even fucking invented the idea of feature length yeah uh it's really rules it's really short it it's uh I watched it felt like it just flew right by um this is a movie. But ab- yeah, it um it, it tells the story of uh a real life event actually uh, the great locomotive chase that took place in the Civil War. Yep. Um, the story is that uh, this character Johnny Gray uh, <laughs> is not a real person, but uh, his character in the movie uh, he is uh, a an engineer on a train. And he loves his train so goddamn much, almost as much as he loves his fiance. Yeah. Uh, and uh, he wants to join the the Confederate Army for the Civil War, <laughs> and uh, yeah. he goes to enlist. And they're like, "Sorry, man, uh, you are a skilled laborer, and uh, we're not going to let you go get your fucking head blown off." Right. Uh, for for this for slavery. So, uh, yeah, for slavery. So uh, go back to your fucking train. And he's like. I do love my train. Okay. And he walks away. <laughs> He's like, what? I don't want to be an essential worker. I want to fight for slavery. And they're like, yeah. no, dude, do not. And so he goes back to his train. Yeah, he goes back to his train. And then his fiance is like, I can't believe you're not going to go fight to preserve slavery. I'm never, I don't want to see you again. That's right. And he's like, oh, man, I guess I'll just drive my train. And then a year <laughs> passes. And who knows what happened with that? But it doesn't matter. Uh, because uh, a year goes by. And, uh, He's what is he? He's like driving his train. She's on it, and it gets like stolen by some Union Army guys, and they're like gonna go drive it up to the north and destroy the train tracks and shit on their way up. Right. Uh, he goes to pursue them to try to steal it back. Uh, he does, and then uh, the huge chase. They also happens. steal his fiance, by the way. Yeah, they steal his fiance, and he steals her back. But it feels like. Not super important, I guess, because uh, <laughs> this really. is really at its core. Uh, the general is a dude's rock movie. <laughs> it is. <laughs> it's a dude rocks. It's one guy. That's oh, what yeah. I was gonna say. Is like it's it's a movie that stars Buster Keaton and a bunch of other people. Who the fuck cares? No one cares. No one gives a shit about anybody but him. <laughs> um, but so he uh, he steals his train back and he's taking it back down south. And he like overhears something about they're gonna like invade in some place. So he's riding back to warn everybody, and they're chasing him. And it's it's basically just two big chase scenes. Is the main that's right main thing of the movie. It's he chases them up there. He starts on a, a little push cart, and then he gets on a bike, and then he finds another train engine, and he chases them up there. He uh, infiltrates their little hideout and. Uh, and steals his his fiance back and his train back, knocks them out, and then they're chasing him back. He 
uh, warns his town, and they're able to burn the bridge and fight them off. And uh, yeah, and they, uh, as we all know, win. win the war. That's right. <laughs> and then they, uh, they, uh, it ends with him being promoted, or I guess he's not even in technically enlisted, but they make right. him a general of the Confederate Army. And uh, he's a lieutenant. Oh, sorry, actually. yeah. <laughs> it's just funny because it's called the general, so I always expect him to be a general. But it's right. It's just the name of his train. Like um, it's gonna be a pun. No, it's the name of the train. <laughs> yeah, it's the name of the train. Um, and so they, yeah, they make him a lieutenant, and they live happily ever after. That's the end of the movie. Yeah. So um, I love so, first of all that like his his worst nightmare at the beginning of the movie is that he wouldn't be allowed to go fight in a war and for sure die. Everybody yeah. died in the Civil War. Like people got chewed the fuck <laughs> up in that war. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he is uh, an idiot and not very competent with any sort of tool, let alone a gun. So mm-hmm. he probably was going to die in war. And then his big reward at the end of the movie is, congratulations, you've saved the day. You get to go die in war. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, and and I think, so the first thing, uh, I've seen a bunch of Buster Keaton. I never actually sat down and watched um, The General. Um, I'd really? seen I'd okay. seen I'd seen parts of it, but I've I'm more familiar with uh, Sherlock Jr. and mm-hmm. uh, a few of the other movies. Um, and so this one, the first thing that threw me was uh, that he's the Confederate guy. Yes, uh-huh. <laughs> and and I was like, oh wow, maybe the I didn't know that the, we were going to watch a political movie. Uh, the <laughs> weird thing about this movie is that it is completely stripped of politics it's not interested in talking about it and the only reason it seems that he's on the confederate side is because it makes more sense story-wise because he wanted to tell this story precisely right he wanted wanted to to tell the story of a real life train chase and 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 what really happened was the north stole the train and then they got captured yeah they <laughs> and, got their shit wrecked <laughs> and so it it seemed like it wouldn't have made sense from what i can tell the only reason that he's on the south side is because it wouldn't have made sense for him to lose like right. for the movie like he just or wanted it wouldn't to- have made sense to have been told from the perspective of the people like it just it doesn't make sense yeah because um, then then you're like oh we're gonna go fuck him up and then and then lose and it would basically be a movie where buster keaton is like i'm gonna go steal a train and then right. like gets killed <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh so it makes more sense narratively it is really really weird yeah to watch though well the other thing is that it's it's a, a time period where it, he says specifically like he chose to do it this way also he could have just rewritten the story so that yeah you know he could have that it happened the other way around, you know, that's literally all he had to do was just change the story around. Uh, <laughs> and it wouldn't have been a big deal because this isn't like a, a particularly famous civil war story. Like right. he only knows about it because he is a train guy. He's a huge you know? train so guy. So he just knows this because he read about it. Um, <laughs> so it's not like people would have been like that appalled if he had changed it, but what they would have been appalled by was the idea of uh, a union uh, protagonist they he specifically says like he chose to make the confederacy the good guys in this because he didn't think a general audience would accept a union good guy because this is a time period you know it's the 1920s this is when like you know the civil war is like 
pretty far in the rear view by now. It's like 60 years later or something like that. Well, I just and... wanted to point out while I was watching this movie is that we are in the 20s now mm-hmm. and the civil rights movement happened in the 60s. So it's right. like we're exactly as far away from the civil rights movement as he was away from the Civil War. Right. So it's it's And how weird would it be, yeah, if like they told if there was a movie now where like it was the story of like the, Black the MLK Panthers. marches and 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 you're like being told from this perspective of like a cop with a fire hose and you're like cheering him on as he like hoses down like Right, It'd be terrible, it's, or, or yeah, and just like killing Black Panthers or whatever. Right. Like it's it's pretty bad. Uh- <laughs> it's it's bad, yeah. But it's like so the the time period is interesting because it's like it's the way I've heard it described historically is that after the war, the you know people in the North kind of just like forget about the Civil War because like to mm-hmm. them it's just like yeah we won we preserved the country now we have you know the industrial revolution to think about. We have all these immigrant (laughs) groups to think about. We have like impending world war one to think about. And the South, you know, is like utterly wrecked by, by the war and they have nothing to hang on to because they didn't win and uh, they got (laughs) utterly humiliated. And so to them, they're like, they start like deifying all these uh, Confederate generals because they're like, what else are we going to do? You know, like we need something to hold on to because otherwise we have to look at what horrible losers we are. (laughs) (laughs) And so they start like the KKK and they start this, uh, what was the term? The, um, fuck, there's like a term for this ideology. Um, Oh, um, the, uh, the fuck, it's like the great, like the, great cause or something like that lost cause yeah lost cause yeah yeah so it's the lost cause ideology right and it's these people who think like like we were good but it was just the industrial might of the north that we lost to like we could we were fucking smart military boys we could have won this anyway the point (laughs) is that like the mentality becomes like the only people who even still think about the civil war are people in the south and then in the 1920s you're at the point where like the last of the civil war veterans are like dying, you Mm -hmm. know, they're all old as shit and dying. And so it becomes even more important to these people to start like really like honor my grandfather. Like my grandpa was such a great fucking guy. He fought for the South and like our beautiful fucking Southern land that he like, (laughs) it meant everything to him. And so now we really fucking care. And so, like, the, the, the environment in which Buster Keaton is making this movie is one in which the only people who give a shit about the Civil War really give a shit about the Civil War. <laughs> yeah, and... Uh, and those people are in the South and Confederates. Right. And they, um... And he's, like, a Northern intellectual. He's not a... Well, he was like, born in Kansas, so yeah. he, he... But, I mean, he lived his life in, like, vaudeville. Like, he's yeah. from a particular, like community that would be you know back in those days would be in like the old timey triple parentheses you know <laughs> like i don't think that buster keaton was jewish but he definitely knew every jew <laughs> <laughs> that's true but he also you know like did blackface <laughs> oh did he really uh, oh yeah in playhouse he does blackface in college he does blackface um uh yeah i mean it's it's weird because he's probably pretty racist as a person but like mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. Everyone was. It seems like anyone who yeah, was the in general filmmaking. like uh, the the tapestry with which America was woven uh, is is you know 
deeply uh, racist. It's, it's racist. <laughs> yeah, it's a racist country. And uh, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I guess like trying to. Uh, <laughs> I would feel remiss not mentioning that this movie just ignores a ton of racism and uh-huh. to tell a train story, yeah. uh, <laughs> which is the true rail fan perspective. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's the train pilled perspective. <laughs> I was just trying to explain this to a friend of mine because she's moving to Hawaii. And, uh, I was telling her that I had just read a thing about Hawaiian trains and she was like, Oh, I'd love to read. It. And I was like, okay, well, so what you're going to want to do is just go ahead and, uh, ignore the fact that this like if you want to learn anything about trains anywhere you're gonna to have to ignore the fact that this ignores the politics <laughs> of it yeah like there's gonna be a lot of references to um clearing land don't worry about who lived on that land <laughs> because Not the rail the fan perspective is one of the only thing that matters is the train <laughs> How Everything around get, it is just uh, the model. How know? do we get the train? <laughs> how do we put the rail down? And we got to put the trains on there. Yeah. So it's it's very. Uh, I, I it was very a little bit shocking because I didn't know this about the movie. Um, mm-hmm. So I was reading Wikipedia while I was watching the movie, and I was like, "Oh wow, okay." Um, so the, this movie is in a climate of, you know, when the, the daughters of the civil war was like putting up statues in all the Southern towns of like those cheap right. shitty statues that are all getting torn down now, uh, you know, a hundred years later. Um, so yeah, but I think at the very least we can say it doesn't necessarily, it's not a pro racist movie exactly. It just happens that he he wants you to just be like blue guys and gray guys and don't think about it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like um it's the same as um as cowboys and Indians in a way right. where it's like if you think about it for even a second you're like no, no you no. You can't do that. No, no, no. <laughs> you can't do that. No. <laughs> but when you think about it from like like from a child's perspective you're like, "Oh, I get it. Yeah, sure." Right. Two sides. Mhm. Yeah. <laughs> Cops and robbers. And, yeah, cops and robbers. It's another one. Yeah, and really, like, all of them are bad. Yeah, <laughs> uh, it's very you know, unless it's you know, no one is taught Nazis and Soviets, <laughs> uh, which would be nice. Um, yeah, but then you'd have little kids wanting to be the Nazis, and then you know, what are you gonna do? Yeah, no, you uh, can't do that. <laughs> uh, so anyway, it's so gotta be Soviets and also Soviets. Yeah. Uh, Italians, yeah, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> We're playing Italians and Irish. <laughs> We're playing Irish and Irish, <laughs> frots and caths. Uh, anyway, so besides all the political sort of dodging that it does, the movie is a really, it's really just a movie about doing stunts on trains. Like mm-hmm. it's it it. it it is a true story and so he had to but the thing is is that in the true story the confederate soldiers got on the train and were up at battalion <laughs> and like went and chased down and had a fight right right um, and then they like murder all these people they like execute them for treason and shit right exactly but which would not fly in a buster keaton movie it's no. got to be a lighthearted fun rom <laughs> this is a kid this is a a family action movie where buster keaton alone who is if you don't know a skinny sort of 
weird looking guy who has a huge nose and a very gaunt face and never smiles, which is very funny. <laughs> he never makes any face. He, he has a very specific, just like the, the emoji that has the flat mouth. Yeah. He just looks like that all the time. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's And the story of that, I'm sure you've heard it before, is that he was like a vaudeville kid. He was like a child vaudeville star. And his act with his dad was that his dad would throw him. <laughs> like, <laughs> yep. the whole thing was that, like, the, the act is, like, it's a father and son routine, and, like, the son disobeys the father, and the father just throws him through shit. <laughs> like, he throws him into, like, the orchestra pit. He throws him against the wall yeah. and whatever. And I guess he just, like, had fun doing it, and he would laugh, and then the people in the audience would be like, oh, there's no danger here. And so that he stopped laughing so that... <laughs> They would be like, oh, my God, that father's beating his child. That's so funny. (laughs) So weird. So he kind of like kept this thing, which got him the nickname, the Great Stone Face. Um, Dude, entertainment back then. It's why I watched a thing about um, and people should check this out. uh, By the way, this is just a quick recommendation is uh, the YouTube series Defunct Land. Oh, yeah. Hell yeah. Really, really cool stuff. Incredible. Did you watch the Coney Island one? They just did a Coney Island I one. Haven't, I haven't got around to it yet, but I, I've seen almost all of their episodes. It was an interesting thing to like uh, to have watched right before watching this to have that perspective on like old-timey entertainment because like back in the day, it's like what was fun to people was like like we go to this amusement park in Coney Island and like a, a little person has like a cricket bat and they like hit my wife on the ass and i'm just like hey don't don't you dare dishonor my wife this is so funny (laughs) like that's what your entertainment was was somebody like hits your wife with a bat and you're just like hey don't do that you little person (laughs) yeah they had like a ride that was like a fucking it was like a horse race thing and everybody went on it because like women's uh dresses would like fly up and they'd be like don't anybody look (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but then they wanted you to yeah it was all like this yeah. weird like denial of things that you thought were terrible but like everyone secretly liked it you had to pretend that you didn't like it it was a thing where ev- entertainment was just doing the things that were socially impolite but everyone secretly loved to do right like, like beating the- your kid <laughs> <laughs> or not, sometimes even more innocent than that like women liked to be looked at but, right like the only way you could do like be perceived as you know sexy or whatever was like by accident or it was like it was like all this weird guilt and christian sort of moralism but then also just like being in extreme danger was funny and hilarious and fun you Mm -hmm. know like (laughs) like there was a ride that was just like a big lazy susan that like flung you into a wall (laughs) 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 people would just like go in three-piece suits and huge dresses and be like we damn that rules uh yeah so but this and that kind of relates to to bus keaton too because like part of his whole thing so we've talked a little bit about like his legacy as a filmmaker and like kind of uh as a comedy writer and whatever like part of his legacy also is as a stunt man because right and and this relates to something we talked about last week about um Brad Neely and what was cool about that is that part of Buster Keaton's whole uh, theory of filmmaking is that like it's not funny unless you really do it right and so everything in this movie as unbelievable as it is every single thing in this movie is real everything (laughs) is real like he doesn't fake 
anything. (laughs) There's a scene where uh, where he's shooting. He has like a cannon trailer that he has like trailing the train that he stole from somewhere. And he's trying to shoot it at the train ahead of him. And the he doesn't put enough powder in, so it just shoots a little bit and falls into the into the engine. That's a real cannon. <laughs> That's not really? like a fake. Yeah, it's not even like a fake cannon he made to shoot wrong. He had a real cannon that he really put not enough gunpowder into. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I don't. I mean, I don't know what cannons are like. I. I just assumed it was like a fake one because it looks so silly. It's like a yeah. big fat one. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, that makes sense. I mean, he's, that's his whole thing. He just does shit for real. Um, as I feel like there's a certain sense, like he didn't want to like trick his audience or like he didn't want to, it wouldn't, you're right. It wouldn't be funny if, (laughs) if he didn't really do it. Cause like, what is the joke? Um, but there's so much stuff in this that I just didn't know about trains. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Like I was like watching the movie. I was like, are trains just basically like as like they they treat trains as versatile as cars mm-hmm. like they just like back them up and then go real fast it's like yep. every time you see a train in an old west movie like they're like okay all aboard and then they like go you know like takes a while to like get going but in this one they're just like well, back and then go fast, and then they like uh-huh. slow down real quick. They break real easy. Like it's so weird, but they're it's definitely really like doing it's a speed it. thing, right? It's like you're trying to get it up to speed. Is why you hear the because they're going at like a traveling speed. Whereas this is like a stunt speed. You know, like what they're doing is real, but it's only capable of happening because they're going fairly slow, right? Um, but one of the things is like this relies on you knowing a fair amount about like how trains work too. It kind of does, yeah. There's stuff that like you're like. Why is it an obstacle that there's a twig in front of it? <laughs> like yeah. there's a part where like they pull down like a, a thin tree and they're like, stop the tree. We got to stop the train before like, oh, we run over no. this small tree. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's one insane thing that he, so, uh, you know, it, it, it helps to know that if they run over that, like the whole train could derail, mm-hmm. but like there's one thing he does in this movie where there's like a, uh, a railroad tie on the track mm-hmm. and the train is going and, yeah, he, he, and he's, he's sitting on, on the, the cow front catcher. of the tra- he's on the front yeah. of the train and then he throws another railroad tie at it and it flips up out of the way like at the last second and it's one of the most insane it like clearly almost hits him in the face and it's mm-hmm. once you see it almost hit hit him in the face it's so huge <laughs> he's like holding like what looks like a telephone pole and then throwing it at another telephone pole yeah um and again it's 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 a real thing he's really doing on a real moving train he's sitting on the front he's sitting on the cow catcher of the train which is not safe to do at no. all like if you get pulled under that thing you get crushed by the whole train <laughs> you know yeah if the and if he gets the stunt wrong if he doesn't get the railroad tie it will derail the train and quite possibly land on top of him and kill him yeah so like this is a wildly dangerous thing he's doing the train's moving pretty slow but it's still not slow enough for this to be like <laughs> safe safe at all to do. yeah it's super un- everything in this movie is super unsafe which is why it's very funny <laughs> yeah um and he it's all i think one of the things that is hard to under hard to overstate is like how much 
it's not just the fact that he does the stunt, but is also his attitude and the character he's playing mm-hmm. is a guy who is like just so matter of fact and like bumble. He's bumbling, but he's like, well, I ha- obviously I'm going to do this. Like, whoa, whoops. Like I'm act, <laughs> I fucked up and I have to right. fix it. And he like keeps trying to fix it. Um, there's never any sort of like three stooges kind of like, why I oughta kind of moment. He's just like, fuck. Oh, fuck. Like- <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a, it's a series of, of errors that lead to further errors and everything yeah. is like really grounded in reality. Like it's, it's very cartoony, but mm-hmm. it's like, it's, it's, it's a realistic cartoon. It's like, um, it's like if when, um, when Daffy Duck gets shot in the face instead of his beak going around the other side, he just actually died. You know, it's yeah. like it's it's a cartoon, but like there's still real shit happening. Um, but like, so it's it's easy when you talk about his stunts. It's easy to kind of like feel like you pigeonhole him into this sort of, uh, um, you know, he's just like a slapstick guy sort of thing. But there's like there's a lot of jokes in this that work even that have nothing to do with stunts. Like one of the earliest jokes in the movie is. Um, when he gives her the picture, he he's like going to visit his fiance for the first time. And you've seen him a little bit at this point. If you didn't know Buster Keaton already, you know, you've seen his face and how severe he looks. Yeah. And he's like, he's giving her a gift before he like presumably goes away to war and is never seen again. And he's like something to remember me by. And it's just a picture of his like ugly fucking <laughs> <laughs> ridiculous face making no expression at all. <laughs> And it's so funny. <laughs> it is very funny. The one And like the last joke of the movie, him doing the salutes is really funny. Which one is that? When uh he's sitting on the he's sitting on the, the train with, with his fiance and he's he's kissing her and the guys keep passing him and he keeps having to salute them, so he keeps like taking his hand off of her to salute oh, and he yeah. goes back to kissing her and then at some <laughs> point he's like, Alright enough and he switches to the other side so he can just do it with his free hand and he just keeps doing it. <laughs> Yeah, it's so clever in in terms of physical comedy. The weird thing is is that you probably haven't if you haven't seen Buster Keaton or and maybe Charlie Chaplin and some of the Keystone Cops stuff that ins- was inspired directly after this, like mm-hmm. you probably haven't seen anything like this before. Yeah. Except for like very certain Jackie Chan movies where Yeah. But even then it's like it's not surrounded with the other clever, clever physical comedy. It's usually just in the middle of a fight scene. And it's right. And the intention is like kind of to make you laugh or to, but it's more like to go, what the fuck? Holy shit. Like that's crazy. And it's like more of a stunt. And this is like, it's that level of stunt as an incredible Jackie Chan stunt, but all of the intention is to be funny. Um, right. It's like, um, it's kind of like Night of the Hunter in a way where like when you watch it, you suddenly become aware of its resonance in like everything you enjoy. Yeah. <laughs> like you just start to like you you're watching this thing that by itself is like pretty cool. But once you start seeing like the ripple of just like everything that this touches, you're like, oh, my God. Like <laughs> That's what this is from. It's so significant, like the impact of this style of filmmaking. And like yeah. you won't believe it until you see it. Like you really won't understand until you watch it and you're like, holy shit, he's doing Bugs Bunny, <laughs> he's doing Jackie Chan, he's doing Wes Anderson, he's doing mm-hmm. like all of this stuff that you see that you love, all of this like joyful stuff that you absolutely <laughs> adore. Like it's all the best stuff, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh and Buster Keaton is just like 
his ability to do all that stuff at once and then like seemingly by himself like <laughs> like you know film was film has always been a fairly like collaborative thing but like no one is doing there was no stunt coordinators like he, right. he was just like let's set this up and hopefully i don't die <laughs> <laughs> like he had like some collaborators who he'd done vaudeville with and stuff but like he was just it's such a singular vision all in the service of just like doing stuff he thought was cool yeah. it's really inspiring and 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 really fun to watch um and i had a and, great time with it yeah and and it's also worth noting that historically again this is the last one that he gets to do that's like this and it's kind of the best of them it's it's really cool because he's trying to tell a real story like before this he's like a very bugs bunny type he's mm-hmm. like just ridiculous cartoony shit and this is the first one that's like really super serious and grounded and and whatever but um well, it's not serious, but it's it's yeah. But I mean, like it's it's like a serious like world that it exists in. I guess yeah. Um, it, it has a it's it's our world, right? Like it's right. it's not like so insane. It's just like instead of what if instead of something that really happened in a war, it was just me. <laughs> mm-hmm. It was just one guy who saved the day, and that's why it's funny. Yeah. Um, but kind of one of the things of this movie too is again a lot like night of the hunter it was like a critical and financial failure right and it was just overlooked for generations people were just (laughs) like nah whatever that was just the movie that ruined his career we'll never think about it again Mm. uh and then you know decades later people are like no it's it's actually his best one but uh it was a financial failure. They wasted so much money on this movie. It's unbelievable. That's another thing about it is that it was a huge budget for the time. Yeah. And some Um, of it came out of his own pocket, I think like mm -hmm, he he was like buying whole trains just so they bought three whole locomotives for this movie. Three. (laughs) There's the two in the chase. And then the one that they, that they throw off the fucking bridge is, is its own whole other one, which again, this is the most expensive shot in silent film history. Oh yeah, is I that I've train heard collapse. That. Yeah, um, the the big peak of the movie is uh, that there's a bridge that's burning, and then the train is driving over it, and the bridge collapses and it falls into the water. Again, a real shot. They just really did that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, what else were they gonna do? I mean, I guess miniatures, but like it wouldn't have been the same at all. Yeah, um, and it's funny because it's sort of. I mean. I I liked this movie. I thought it was very entertaining, very funny. But there was certain parts that were just like, oh, weird. That's what a train looks like when it falls into the water. But I wasn't <laughs> like, wow, incredible. You know, it's like because I'm, yeah. I'm in 2020. I'm 100 years later. And it's like, right. okay, cool. You're 100 years older from I'm when 100... we were children and we watched this. Well, That's you were right. a child. I was a teenager. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was... 10 so now i'm 110 uh but yeah it's it's interesting because there's a ton of money on the screen obviously and some of it really feels like it because it's like how how on earth did they accomplish this and some of it is like well yeah i guess they threw a train in the water i don't know (laughs) that's so crazy to me that's a real ass fucking train going over a real bridge (laughs) that just really falls in the water like they had to like just think of like the logistics of making that happen they had to like rig the bridge to actually collapse under its weight so you had to know that it was going to be weak enough to do that yeah and then they had to like get the thing running get out of it in time (laughs) 
<laughs> and then just like hope it fucking actually breaks the bridge because if it doesn't then it's just going to keep going on the other side of the bridge <laughs> and then you have to go and actually catch it right i think it's just because like there's like uh, i don't know it's like in the story it's like it's not as it's not funny you know there's right. no like you kind of almost expect it to happen because they're like uh that bridge isn't burnt enough yeah It'll the be bridge fine. has been burning for a while <laughs> and you're like they're gonna fall down and then it does and so you're like oh shit yeah uh so it's 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 interesting uh but yeah apparently people didn't like this movie at the time because it was i don't know too serious i think was the problem they they go to a buster keaton movie expecting i mean it's kind of like if adam sandler made the the israel movie yeah (laughs) in some ways you know it's like you don't go to an adam sandler movie expecting you know zionism (laughs) or like a commentary on anything and then people are like wow i don't know if i agree with this or whatever yeah you know what's funny is he really wanted to he wanted to use the real train from the real story I know and he almost that's insane. Got it. And then they were like, uh, but you're making a, like they they were like going to give him the train. They were going to give him some of the track to use. And he was going to really film it in the real place it happened. And then they found <laughs> out it was a comedy. And they're like, we do not want you to uh, have fun with our train. <laughs> <laughs> he was like, what? Come on. I'm just going to do some stunts. I mean, it's probably a good decision. Like, who knows? This crazy guy is going to ruin your train. Yeah, or kill himself with yeah. it. Like, <laughs> you have this historic, beautiful train that is just going to have, like, Buster Keaton's fucking guts all over it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, yeah, at the time, they, they didn't like it. It was the end of the silent era. It was one of the last, like, big silent movies. And mm-hmm. that's, you know, a big, another part of it, I think. Um, so it sort of was lost to time for a while, and he started to drink himself to death, and... Uh, he got divorced institutionalized and uh broke out of <laughs> broke out of the straight jackets because houdini taught him how um <laughs> they're actually really easy to break out of well i'm not a i'm not a magician um, it's not even like a it's just like a trick it's it's like an easy thing to do well that's it's, what a uh, magician does and i don't know about that was... my friend griff taught me how to do it and <laughs> he told me he's like uh the trick is that you always say that you can do it in 15 seconds because it takes 10 and then you get the extra five to like build the moment. <laughs> <laughs> 10 seconds. That's so fast. It's so fast. Yeah. It's really, they're terrible. They're not like, <laughs> mm. they're, they're well, not actually anyway, useful. He had a very weird and, and sad life after that, but then apparently uh, married someone who was much younger than him and lived kind of happily ever after. Um, seemed like she, he was okay. But, uh, yeah dudes rock <laughs> uh so i would say i would recommend this movie if you want to see anything that we we're talking about i would i ha- i would make a huge caveat to be like if it's gonna be at all weird for you to watch a movie where the south is the good guys <laughs> yeah. even though there's no black people in this movie it's not mentioned what they're fighting about there's literally it's just b- blue and gray two sides you know and it's in black and white so you don't even really (laughs) (laughs) they're both gray (laughs) i kept losing track of who was who because i was like oh what costume does he have on because he switches costumes a few times to pretend he's a union soldier and then he gets to switch back and uh so it's a little it, it barely matters at all that it's the civil war 
Um, but if it, but obviously what we do know is that it's incredibly important <laughs> and we're yeah. having a, a bunch of people dress up and call themselves boogaloo boys and start another one. So we're in a, you know, if that's going to be a problem for you, definitely don't watch it. Cause it's the whole movie. If it's not, yeah. uh, it's an incredible movie about a guy who loves his train and, <laughs> uh, you know, it's a, it's a crazy movie. And it's and, like the it's probably the last time a rail fan really gets to do this too. I don't think there's another movie where someone's just like, I love trains so much. Can somebody give me a lot of money to make a movie <laughs> about trains? Not only someone who likes trains, because like the the kind of guy who I imagine who likes trains now would not have any idea what to do if they got in a train. Oh yeah, no, it'd be just like uninterrupted footage of the train driving. Right. Well, maybe they wouldn't even know how to start the train, but like this guy, <laughs> this guy not only loves trains so much, he wants to talk about it and, you know, shoot a footage of it. He knows how to get in it and like do tricks on it. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> like this is like real. Yeah, he's he's a few steps away from guy. like kick flipping the fucking train. <laughs> <laughs> I'm shocked that he didn't. I believe that he could. <laughs> So, so yeah, obviously we both highly recommend the general. Yeah, this was obviously a Jeremy pick, uh, and uh, it was very fun. And I like. What do you mean? Obviously, it's a classic film. It could have been a a Bryn pick. It could have been a Bryn pick. (laughs) (laughs) I guess that's true, Uh, but uh, yeah, it's a very trainy movie, and uh, it's fun because it made me appreciate trains way more. Hell uh, yes. And it's so cool. And that's what it's about. That's what it's all about in the end is train Appreci- pilling. <laughs> Getting train filled. Uh, it's so interesting because I kept watching it being like, uh, oh, they got to put the wood in there. And then there's like a part where they um, they they go by a, a water spout, like a huge mm-hmm. water tower thing and then they have to like put the water there's a whole bunch of jokes with people getting wet um but when i realized like oh i guess that's a steam engine (laughs) Mm -hmm. so they gotta have water somehow and then there's a scene where he's got to like throw sand on the tracks to get a little bit of traction to get the wheels moving because otherwise there's no friction right i couldn't tell if that was a joke at first i was like (laughs) oh is that what you do and then it works and i was like i guess (laughs) yeah but it doesn't seem like he expects it to work because he he goes back and gets more dirt and then it well, it's the drives same thing. away. It's like, um, like, uh, in, in the snow, like when you get stuck in the snow, yeah, and you yeah. gotta put some sand out of your tire. Yeah. Or, um, cardboard or something. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's a ton of funny train jokes that I didn't necessarily always get cause I don't know how trains work exactly, but it is very interesting to watch them drive around like cars <laughs> and have a <laughs> bunch of like fun stuff where they rip up tracks, uh, and do tricks and stuff. So, Lots of fun. Definitely yeah. check it out. Great movie. All right. Uh, we are very over time. Oh, yeah. Um, so that's going to do it from us. Thank you for joining us for another week of Generation Loss. Or should I say the Generation Loss? <laughs> the Generation <laughs> Loss. Uh, yeah. I'm Bryn. Follow me at Kinematography. Follow Jeremy at Jeremy Thunder. Follow the show at Gen Loss Pod on Twitter. Uh check out our patreon at patreon.com slash generation loss where we have a bonus episode where we talk about the news and this week we had a lot of fun stuff to talk about uh sometimes we just talk about uh our lives and movies and stuff but this time we have a lot of news uh to talk about 
Um, so I'm excited yeah, for, for you example, to hear that. For uh, example, Hyde from that 70s show. <laughs> Canceled. <laughs> Canceled. Uh, <laughs> yep. But uh, yeah, so if you listen to that, you will get to your bonus episodes and uh, now a Discord, which is only for those people. So Yeah, only for them. Don't ask me. <laughs> yeah, don't ask me. We won't Oh, and also uh, keep your eyes peeled because coming very soon, uh, some new stuff, uh, some, some different new stuff. Uh, for example, Alex and I are working on another radio play like Serial, but also some Ooh. City Skylines content coming <gasps> from yours truly. Oh, boy. This will be very <laughs> exciting. <laughs> Oh yeah. So uh, keep your keep your little eyes peeled, like little fucking like little. What what do you peel? Like uh, potatoes, like potatoes. little fucking potatoes. <laughs> yeah, you know it also has <laughs> eyes. Potatoes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Put little eyes in your eyes so you can see even more, <laughs> and then peel them. <laughs> <laughs> fucking yeah. peel <laughs> yeah gross. gross it's such a gross <laughs> saying all right uh see you next time all right bye <laughs> <laughs> Train.